0: Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Sunday morning Bible class. Great to be with all of those who want to be in God's Word again, study a little bit further, learn a little bit more, dig a little bit deeper, and grow spiritually. Grow in our faith, because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. We're thankful to have this opportunity and the ability and the means to be able to teach God's Word on such a widespread basis through the internet and by means of these podcasts. We're thankful that people out there, including you, want to listen, want to be in God's Word, want to hear more of the teachings of what His Word is intended to get across to us. We're thankful for that opportunity, and we're thankful to be able to be here with you to help you along these lines. Now, we encourage you, if you're in the Omaha area, to come and be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street, right here in Omaha, 3606 North 108th Street, right here in Omaha. Our Bible classes begin on Sunday morning at 9.30, followed by worship at 10.30, and then on Sunday evenings, we come back together at 6 o'clock for another period of worship and Bible study. On Wednesday evenings, middle of the week, set aside our busy schedules, get back together each Wednesday evening at 6.30 for midweek Bible classes. Now, we know that many people are listening in other parts of the country, and, and maybe even in the Omaha area, but you're not able to be with us in person because of one situation in your life or another, maybe illness or a physical handicap of some kind, maybe a schedule that doesn't allow you to be with us uh, when you would like to, but we're, we're thankful that you want to listen, that you want to learn, you want to study anyway, and listen to these podcasts these podcast Bible studies. We're thankful for those who are listening in other parts of the country and literally around the world. Now, we encourage you, share these studies with everybody you can and tell everybody you can about them. You can do that through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. But when you share these studies with somebody, you might get them started to get into God's Word, and you might get them moving in a direction where their life will change and they'll ultimately start walking that narrow pathway that Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, that leads to heaven. Well, what a blessing for them, but it will also be a great blessing for you. Also, tell everybody you can to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. It will be easy, only about a minute or so is all that's needed to sign up, and it's free. It always will be free. We keep emphasizing, we're not after people's wallets. We want to help as many people as we can get to heaven. So when somebody signs up for our podcasting, they will automatically receive to their smart device, whether that's their phone or computer or whichever one they choose, they will automatically receive the Sunday morning Bible class, Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons, a Monday through Friday daily radio program that we call Search the Scriptures, and it does exactly that, digs deep into God's Word. But also, they'll receive a daily Bible class that we call Today's Bible Class. (laughs) What an appropriate name. But it's only about 13 minutes long every single day, seven days a week. It keeps us in God's Word, and that helps keep us focused on our spiritual lives, also upon our relationship with God, and helps us to have a more positive spiritually mind, a spiritual mindset to be able to deal with life every day. But it also, again, because we're in God's Word every day, helps us to stay strong and grow stronger in our faith. Again, faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. So tell everybody you can. Sign up for our podcasting at churchofchrist.com. We're coming toward the end of our study in Deuteronomy, and this is the fifth of the first five books of the Old Testament, referred to often as the Pentateuch. And we're at the point where Moses is just about ready to... Well, kind of usher in through Joshua, through Joshua's leadership, the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, the Israelites, whom Moses has, by God's direction, led through a wilderness wandering for about 40 years, all the way up to the point of leading them to the eastern border of the promised land at that time, the land of Canaan, it would become the nation of Israel geographically. And so they're at the bank of the Jordan River, the eastern bank, and they're ready to cross. Now, as we have been studying through this particular book, Deuteronomy is where Moses gives them a refresher course, basically, on their history as the people whom God has raised up to be his special people, To be the bloodline through which God would send Jesus, the Savior, into the world, but also the people to whom God would give his spiritual law. Now, they're right there, and Moses is giving them this this refresher course on what has led them up to this point. At the same time, Moses has already been informed by God because of a Time in the wilderness, where Moses and Aaron, his brother, took the glory for themselves instead of giving it to God. When God told them to to speak to the rock and He would give water for the people to drink, instead, Moses and Aaron took the glory for themselves as though they were bringing the water. And they struck the rock with the staff that God had been through, which God had been blessing Moses on a number of occasions. Well, God said, you're not going to enter the promised land. Aaron has already died in the wilderness. Moses is right up to the border, but he knows God's not going to allow him to go in. He's already allowed Moses to look upon the land and see the land from afar, but he's not going to allow him to go in. And Moses is telling the people here, In as he's coming toward the end of this kind of refresher course on their history, that uh, he's old, and he's going to pass the mantle of leadership onto Joshua, and Moses, I think, understands God is going to take him, going to take his life, and God will take care of his burial. He won't tell the people where he buries Moses. I think that probably the reason for that is that God knows that in their minds they would consider that to be a holy place and probably, very possibly if not probably, they would even view it as kind of a spiritual setting wherein they would worship and maybe even worship the memory of Moses and and that would be inappropriate. And so God does not let them know where he buries the body, the physical body of Moses. Now, the 32nd chapter is what we call the song of Moses. And in verse 29 of chapter 31, Moses says, for I know that after my death, you will become utterly corrupt and turn aside from the way which I have commanded you. And evil will fall you will befall you in the latter days because you will do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger through the work of your hands. Now, this is an incredible prophecy on the part of Moses, and of course he's getting this from God, even though Moses had just gone through with them the blessings that God had bestowed upon them. And again, another warning, and this is just one of a number of these warnings, against becoming unfaithful to God and beginning to worship idols. And so here, as he has coming toward the end of his life and he's coming toward the end of this refresher course, so to speak, on their their history that has led them to this point, He's foretelling again, I know after I die somewhere in the future, you're going to become utterly corrupt and you're going to start worshiping idols and you're going to provoke God to anger. In verse 30, the last verse of chapter 31, then Moses spoke in the hearing of all the assembly of Israel, the words of this song until they were ended. And so here's the song of Moses, beginning with verse 1 of chapter 32. Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak. And hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, as raindrops on the tender herb, and as showers on the grass. For I proclaim the name of the Lord. Ascribe greatness to our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are justice, a God of truth and without injustice. What a great description of God. So different from humanity, isn't it? The the song goes on. Righteous and upright is he. They have corrupted themselves. They are not his children because of their blemish, a perverse and crooked generation. Do you thus deal with the Lord oh foolish and unwise people. And that would be a characteristic that would be very descriptive of the Israelites in generations to come. They would become unfaithful to God. They would become wicked. The text goes on. Is he not your father who bought you? Has he not made you and established you? And of course he has. God brought up the nation of Israel, the people, the Israelites, from the seed of Abraham, going all the way back to Genesis 12, hundreds and hundreds of years before. And he, he through providence, guided things such that they would be able to grow into a mighty population numerically. While in the, in the borders of Egypt, and when the Egyptian pharaoh, a succeeding Egyptian pharaoh, would put them under bondage, then God would lead them out. He would deliver them through the guidance, through the leadership of Moses and Aaron. He's done all of that, and they know about that. And so Moses, in this song, is reminding them, warning them, and rebuking them where necessary. In verse 7, "'Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father, and he will show you, your elders, and they will tell you. When the Most High divided their inheritance to the nations, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the boundaries of the peoples according to the number of the children of Israel. And for the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob is the place of his inheritance.'" And so God is again, or rather Moses is again, reminding them of days gone by, of generations gone by. In verse 10, he found him in in a desert land and in a wasteland, a howling wilderness. He encircled him. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on its wings, so the Lord alone led him, and there was no foreign god with him. And who's he talking about again? Jacob, one of their forefathers from hundreds and hundreds of years before. He made him ride in the heights of the, of the earth that he might eat the produce of the fields. He made him draw honey from the rock and oil from the flint, from the flinty rock, curds from the cattle and milk of the flock with fat of lambs and rams of the, of the breed of Bashan and goats with the choicest wheat. And you drank wine, the blood of the grapes. Now here... I said he's talking about Jacob. I, I, Jacob would be an, an, an identity for the nation of Israel. It would be through Jacob's seed or Jacob's 12 sons that the 12 tribes of Israel would come into being. And so by referring to Jacob, I think you were to understand he's referring to Israel again here, to the Israelites, and he's simply referring to them through their forefather, Jacob. Now, Jacob came hundreds of years after Abraham, but it was by the same bloodline of Abraham. So verse 15, the song goes on. But Bashurin grew fat and kicked. You grew fat, you grew thick, you are obese. Then he forsook God and may, who, who made him and scornfully esteemed the rock of his salvation. They provoked him to jealousy with foreign gods, with abominations, they provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons and to God, to gods they did not know, to new gods, new arrivals that your fathers did not hear. Of the rock who begot you, you are unmindful and you have forgotten the God who fathered you. And so there were times when the Israelites, even during those wilderness wanderings, even at Sinai shortly after God led them out of Egypt and God was giving the law to Moses on Mount Sinai, even then they turned to the worship of idols. And they've continually struggled with this and would continually struggle with it for hundreds of years to come. When the Lord saw it, he spurned them because of the provocation of his sons and daughters. And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end will be, for they are, for they are a perverse generation. Children in whom is no faith. They have provoked me to jealousy by what is not God. They have moved me to anger by their foolish idols, but I will provoke them to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move them to anger by a foolish nation, for a fire is kindled in my anger and shall burn to the lowest hell. It shall consume the earth with her increase and set on fire the foundations of the mountains. So God is prophesying judgment upon the Israelites, upon Israel as well as warning them of the sin that they would enter into in the worship of idols. And unfortunately, even though, and again, this is just the most recent in a series of such warnings that Moses has laid out for the, the Israelites, that it, it's, it's so sad and so unnecessary for them to have done exactly what God was warning them they would do and warning them that if you do these things, if you go into the worship of idols, you're going to become unfaithful to me, and I will bring judgment upon you. And they did it anyway. They did it anyway. Verse 23, I will heap disasters on them. I will spend my arrows on them. They shall be wasted with hunger, devoured by pestilence and bitter destruction. I will also send against them the teeth of beasts, with the poison of serpents of the dust. The sword will destroy the outside. There shall be terror within for the young man and virgin, the nursing child with the man of gray hairs. In other words, all generations. I would have said, I will dash them in pieces. I will make the memory of them to cease from among men. Had I not feared the wrath of the enemy, lest their adversaries should misunderstand, lest they should say, our hand is high, and it is not the Lord who has done all this. In other words, God would use foreign nations to bring judgment upon the people of Israel when they turned away from him and into idolatry, the worship of idols. And so God said, I could have just wiped them out completely through the armies of those foreign nations that i will use to bring judgment upon them for their sin for their unfaithfulness but then those nations they might think that they did it all by their own power so no i won't i won't completely wipe them out but i will use those nations to bring judgment upon them for verse 28, for they are a nation void of counsel, nor is there any understanding in them. Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. How could one chase a thousand, and two put ten thousand to flight, unless their rock had sold them, and the Lord had surrendered them? For their rock is not like our rock, even our enemies themselves being judges, For their vine is of the vine of Sodom and of the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are grapes of gall. Their clusters are bitter. Their wine is the poison of serpents and the cruel venom of cobras. Is this not laid up in store with me, sealed up among my treasures? Vengeance is mine and recompense. Their foot shall slip in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand. And the things to come hasten upon them, for the Lord will judge his people and have compassion on his servants. When he, when he sees that their power is gone and there is no one remaining bond or free, he will say, where are their gods? Lowercase g, their idols, the rock in which they sought refuge. The destruction of Israel was coming. Now, it was going to be hundreds of years down the road, but remember what the Apostle Peter said in Second Peter chapter three. "With the Lord, with God, a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day." In other words, time has no meaning, as we understand time. For God, He is eternal. He's foretelling. Now what's going to happen in the future of, of Israel, and yet they still acted in such a way, went in such a direction that it came true when you're warned of danger. To step into the danger is foolishness. And yet they did exactly that. Verse 38, "'Who ate the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offering? Let them rise and help you and be your refuge. Now see that I, even I, am he, and there is no God besides me. I will kill and I will make alive.'" I wound and I heal, nor is there any who can deliver from my hand. Now these gods, lowercase g, they're just idols. They're just statues, images, carvings. They are nothing. They are inanimate objects, and they are not symbols of deity because God is the only God. And so Rather rhetorically, God is saying to the people of Israel, pointing them toward the future when they were going to go into the worship of idols as a nation, as a people. When you find destruction coming upon you from enemies that I'm going to bring against you by way of judgment for your unfaithfulness to me, ask those idols to deliver you. (laughs) Hmm. That's ironic language. They can't deliver you because they are just objects. They are not gods. Verse 39 Now see that I, even I, am He, and there is no God besides me. I kill and I make alive, I wound and I heal, nor is there any who can deliver from my hand. For I raise my hand to heaven and say, As I live forever, if I whet my glittering sword and my hand takes hold on judgment, I will render vengeance to my enemies and repay those who hate me. I will make my arrows drunk with blood and my sword shall devour flesh with the blood of the slain and the captives from the heads of the leaders of the enemy. Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and render vengeance to his adversaries, he will provide atonement for his hand, for his land and his people. God also foretells that there would be a time when the Israelites, after he had brought judgment upon them through their enemies, conquering their land, and literally depopulating that land by leading the survivors from the battles and the sieges, into captivity in foreign lands, that God would deliver their land to them again, to the Israelites again. They would come to their senses. They would repent of their sin, their unfaithfulness, their ungodliness, their worship of idols, and they would come true to God again, and God would bring them back into their land. Now, we're talking about God's prophecy of the events that would happen hundreds of years into the future and they would be fulfilled exactly as he prophesied. Verse 44, so Moses came with Joshua, the son of Nun, and spoke all the words of this song in the hearing of the people. It's a lesson for them, a mighty lesson. They needed to listen, but they also needed to pass it on to their children and their grandchildren. Moses finished speaking all these words to all Israel, and he said to them, Set your heart on all the words which I testify among you today, which you shall command your children to be careful to observe, all the words of this law. And there would come a time when it would seem, as we read in the book of Joshua, when they would forget or neglect to pass the teachings carefully on to their children and grandchildren and teach them to teach them to their grandchildren as well. Hmm. For it is not a feudal for it is not a feudal thing for you because it is your life and by this word you shall prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to possess. Now we're going to stop there because the rest, the last few verses of this chapter, I want to give a little more specific and fuller attention to. How many times do we read in the Scriptures that God assures us that there will be a final day of judgment on which he will send his Son into this world to call the saved to be with him in heaven for all of eternity, but he will also condemn the unfaithful, the unsaved, the wicked who have not sought forgiveness through him according to the teachings of the Scriptures, and he will punish them or consign them to eternal eternal condemnation in hell. How many times do the scriptures tell us that? Literally, over and over and over again. And yet, the vast majority of humanity continues to walk in unfaithfulness, disobedience, ungodliness before God. Now, you talk about foolishness. You talk about the ultimate fulfillment of something that does not have to be if we would just turn to God and be obedient to him in our daily lives. And yet humanity is moving quickly down that path of destruction. How sad. Even though Israel heard The words of the song of Moses, as we've just read, they still went down that very path to destruction. Even though God has given us his word to guide us, to encourage us, to teach us, but also to warn us of the consequences of sin. Humanity, for the most part, is still moving down that pathway to self-destruction eternally. does not have to be. But God is simply foretelling the future because he is all-knowing and all-seeing. Let's pray. Father, Father, help us. Help us to pay heed to the warnings, to the teaching, to the guidance that you you give us in your word. Help us to help others see the way out of condemnation and into eternal life in heaven through your word and through your son. Help us to be the influence that can turn people's lives, at least motivate them to start making the changes in their lives, to turn them around to come to you through Jesus Christ for forgiveness and salvation and eternal life. Help us to live that life before them, Father, and to reach out with your word always to teach people the better way. Please forgive us, gracious Father. Please give us time. Please be patient with us and merciful with us and hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.